0: wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today. It's been a a wonderful weekend already. We had an excellent quiz tournament here yesterday, Uh, about 300 uh, quizzers and coaches and people from uh, all over the south and southeastern United States. And uh, it's an excellent time. We'll celebrate our quizzers tonight, but I appreciate all of our quiz coaches and uh, all of those that are so uh, diligently involved in that. A lot of lot of hands in the work yesterday, back in the kitchen and setting up and tearing down and all of those things. And I appreciate all the wonderful worship and the prayer this morning, and uh, people that have come to the house of God hungry and seeking. And it is a wonderful day to be a part of the kingdom of God. And uh, Brother Cliff's getting ready. Looks like we're going to baptize here in a moment, but we'll just we'll go ahead and. Press in, We're delighted this morning that Brother Ari Prado is in the house with us. We love and appreciate Brother Prado. And uh, Brother Prado, I want you to just come on. And uh, just whatever the Holy Ghost has laid on your heart, this is our first official ev- evangelist uh, since uh, we've been in the new space here. And we're so glad for Brother uh, Prado. Well, I guess... Brother Dross was an official evangelist, huh? so our second official evangelist. But uh, so if it's your first time here to minister in this building, so we're so thrilled that you're here and that you came a long way to be with us this morning. And we want you to take your liberty and whatever the Holy Ghost tells you, we want you to tell us. Would you point your hand at him and tell him you preach to me, preacher? That's right. All right. God bless you.
1: Love you. Love you too. Amen. Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. It is so good to be here this morning in the house of the Lord. And uh, I I count it an honor and a privilege to be here. And I'm so excited to see the new building. Amen. This is God is doing great things. Amen. And uh, I want to get right into the word of the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, the book of Galatians chapter 6 and um, give honor to your pastor and uh, uh, of course to the church. Uh, Always counted a double honor and privilege to be before God's people and I love God's people. I don't have the most profound message here this morning um, but I feel that I have a word from the Lord and uh, I just, I want to encourage God's people this morning. I want to encourage everybody. And uh, I feel like this, this this should really minister to somebody here today. So if you have your Bibles, book of Galatians chapter 6, and we'll be going down to verse number 9. And uh, if I sound a little cliche this morning, please forgive me, but uh, I really want to help somebody. And um, praise God, I, I've, I've been pastoring now for a little bit, and I could tell you that I might have even thought a message like what I'm about to preach right now would be a little cliche. But, you know, working with people more, uh, I'm telling you, this is what I'd want to hear. And so, uh, book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 9, very, very familiar passage of scripture. It says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Another another translation says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. And I want to preach to you on this subject. Do not give up. Do not give up. Look at your neighbor and say, do not give up. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. God, we thank you for the people that are already being baptized, both in water and in the spirit. Lord, we're asking you that you would speak to us this morning, God, and allow us to receive your word, God, with meekness. Let it be engrafted into our soul and spirit. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And everyone shout in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Oh, Jesus. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Give them a great big God bless you. And you may be seated. Norman Allstead was born to Norman and Doris Allstead, He was raised in Malibu, California. At a very young age, Norman was thrust into the world of competitive surfing and skiing. By age 11, Norman was already competing nationally and winning skiing championships all across the world. Norman's dad affectionately called him Boy Wonder due to his young age and ability to play just about any sport. On February 19th, 1979, 11-year-old Norman and his father were on their way to go skiing when suddenly the plane they were on crashed into the side of a mountain. Norman lay in the wreckage for several hours, unconscious and bleeding profusely. When he finally came to, he quickly realized that his father and the pilot were now both dead. But that was only the beginning of Norman's troubles. The plane he was on was now suspended on the side of the mountain over 8,000 feet in the air, and it was engulfed in a horrendous blizzard. Norman had no choice. He had to descend the mountain all by himself. The descent down the mountain nearly cost him his life. It was an absolute miracle that Norman did not die. You might be wondering how an 11-year-old boy did this. There were several ways that Norman accomplished this physically. At one point, Norman even made himself a pair of skis out of scraps of wood he found laying around. But mentally and emotionally, Norman had to rely on a very different resource. Norman said that after the plane had crashed, and he had realized that everyone was now dead, he said he began to hear the voice of his father in his head. Numerous numerous conversations they had had during training for championships began to play throughout his mind. Norman admittedly said that there were times during his training that he felt that his dad was too demanding and even indifferent to the fact that he was just a child. Norman said that although he was young, he was already beginning to develop very strong feelings of resentment towards his father, who was constantly pushing him. But now things had changed. That day when his life was on the line, he was thankful for every pep talk, every stern encouragement, and every piece of repetitive advice. Especially when his dad would tell him in the wee hours of the morning as they would wake up to go skiing, To not let the cold stop you from moving. All these little talks saved Norman's life. And it was for this reason that when Norman was asked by the Los Angeles Times how he survived, he was able to tell them, my father told me to never give up. I want to talk to you today about never giving up. I want to talk to you about why we never give up. I want to talk to you about where we never give up. And I want to talk to you about what we never give up. Number one, I want to talk to you about the reason why we never give up. The reason why we never give up is because giving up affects four very important people. The first of these four people is you. When you give up, you are giving up on yourself you are important in the eyes of God you matter to God God loves you you might feel that you are at the lowest point of your life but I want you to know that it does not matter how low you go even down there God wants to pick you up and God wants you to prosper and God wants you to be blessed we all know the verse John 3 and 16 says that God loves you Psalms 8 and 4 says that God thinks about you. Philippians 4 and 19 says that God intends to supply all your needs through Christ Jesus. Amen. Psalms 9 and 18 says that God has not forgotten about you. I want you to know it's not worth giving up on you. Hallelujah. God has not given up on you. God is not going to give up on you. God is going to... I know it sounds cliche, but I know God's talking to somebody right now. I know when God's giving me a word, somebody here needs to realize, hallelujah, it ain't over. You're still here. God still loves you. God's going to provide. God's watching over you. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know his eyes. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And we're just getting warmed up here. Hallelujah. Amen. There are three other people that are severely affected by you giving up. Number one are those who don't have it as bad as you. Number two are those who have it just as bad as you. And number three are those who have it worse than you. When you give up, amen, you are withholding a beautiful testimony that can bless other people. When you give up, hallelujah, I'm telling you right now, this world is looking for somebody to keep on plugging away until they make it through. Your testimony will help people that don't have it as bad as you. Your testimony will help people that have it just as bad as you. And I got news for you. Your testimony will help people that have it way worse than you. Amen? But you're gonna have to determine here this morning, I'm not giving up on God. I'm not giving up on myself. I'm not giving up on my future. I'm not giving up on my marriage. I'm not giving up on my son. I'm not giving up on my daughter. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up, I'm not come on why don't you clap in the devil's face and serve him notice that you're here and you're here to stay, hallelujah why don't you clap in the devil's face and let him know you try to take me out, but I'm still here I'm not giving up, I'm not going away, I'll be dancing keep on fighting, but I'm a fight back yes, oh hallelujah hallelujah the apostle Paul Wrote to the church in Corinth, and in 2 Corinthians 4.12, he told them, So then death worketh in us, but life worketh in you. I know that right now it might seem like the very life is being drained out of you, but I promise you in the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, that every tear you shed, every painful moment, uh, amen, every prayer meeting you've had in the car, amen, to church and on the way home and to work and back, hallelujah, I'm telling you all that pain is one day going to culminate, Hallelujah! It's going to crystallize and it's going to become something that will bless other people. It will bless your children. It will bless strangers. Come on. This ain't just about you. Hallelujah. If it was just about you, the battle wouldn't be this bad. If it was just about you, the war wouldn't be this thick. But the devil knows, hallelujah, that you can affect others. Come on, somebody. This ain't about you and this ain't about me. Hallelujah. There's people to... There's people waiting. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's for this reason that Joseph could look at his brothers and say, what you did to me, you meant it for evil. He said, but the Lord meant it for good. And then he told them, I got another revelation. All this happens so that many souls might be saved. All this is happening, amen, so that somebody else in your family can be saved. All this is happening for that stranger you're going to meet one day and you're going to tell them, hey, I know right where you're at. You're not by yourself. I've been there. I've made it out. Uh, and let me tell you how i did it uh, i did it by never giving up on god uh, i did it by never giving up on myself uh, I, oh come on somebody oh hallelujah oh come on for about 10 seconds let's give God a hand praise oh hallelujah oh come on come on come on right now there's somebody that needs to get a lift in the holy ghost oh hallelujah i know this ain't for everybody Hallelujah. But if you'll help the preacher preach, there's going to be some people that came in here discouraged. They're going to leave encouraged. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. If we were, if, if life were a map, there would definitely be three places on that map marked never give up here. Amen. And for a few seconds, I want to talk to you about where we never give up. There are certain places on the map of life we never give up. The first is in the beginning. Well, I'll tell you what all three of the places are right now the beginning, the middle, and the end. <laughs> Hallelujah. You never give up in the beginning. Whatever your trial is, whatever the challenge is, whatever the circumstances, don't ever give up at the beginning. Because when you give up at the beginning, you cultivate regret. Regrets love replacing other more needful and positive emotions like faith, discipline, grit, courage. Regret, amen, will love to take the place of other more needful emotions, amen. Uh, I'm I'm reminded of the verse in Philippians 3 and 13, where the Apostle Paul scans over the whole of his life. And he says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. In very simple terms, he's saying, I refuse to live with regret. I'll live with repent, but I will not live with regret. I'm going to repent about it. Uh, but I'm not going to live with regret in my life. There were things I shouldn't have done. Amen. But I've got that fixed with God. And I'm going to face this challenge right now. And I'm going to keep moving forward. Hallelujah. I'm going to get through this with the help of God. But I'm not going to give up at the very beginning of my trials. Uh, amen. I don't. When you give up at the very beginning of your trial, I'm telling you right now, amen, when you give up at the beginning, regret will come in, amen, and you'll live the rest of your life wondering what would have happened had you just held on, what would have happened had you just kept fighting, what would have happened had you just stayed a little bit longer, what would have happened had you just given a little bit more of yourself to the Lord, uh, amen, I don't want to live with regret, I want to know, amen, that I held on as much as I could, that I fought as hard as I could, Uh, it does. It not matter how challenged I was. It doesn't matter if I hit rock bottom. Hey Amen. I'm not. I'm not gonna give up. You never want to give up in the middle of your trial. You're just as close to the end of your trial at that point as you are if you decide to return. <laughs> it's going to take just as much energy to go back as it is to go forward. You might as well use that energy to go forward. You might also be shocked to discover that there's nothing to go back to. (laughs) Well, hallelujah. You might be shocked to discover that there's nothing to go back to. You know, a lot of people forget, amen, that there was a situation going on in their life that was so bad that it caused them to start moving in the first place that it caused them to start seeking, amen, help in the first place, that it caused them to start seeking solutions in the first place. A lot of people forget, amen, in the middle of their trial, you know what, things were going so bad, amen, that it caused me to start seeking God. It caused me to reach this middle point. There's nothing to go back to. That relationship was dead back then. It's not going to be alive when I get back to it. Those friendships were dead back then, amen, that alcoholism was dead back then. That drug addiction was dead back then. Those Parties were dead back then. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. That job was dead back then. Hallelujah. I'm going to get through this, and I'm going to do it by never giving up. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 17 and 32, very short but profound sermon that Jesus preaches, and he simply says, remember Lot's wife. He did not say, remember that Lot had a wife. He said, remember Lot's wife. And the message is very simple. Remember this lady who got out and then looked back. She made it right in between, amen, the place that God called her out of and the place where God wanted to rescue her. And right in the middle, she decided to look back over her shoulder to a town that was dead, to a lifestyle that was dead, to situations that were gone, to situations that were all, amen, uh, better behind her than they were, amen, before her. I'm telling you right now, there's nothing to go back to, amen. Don't look back. Amen, keep looking forward Keep getting up, keep fighting Amen, keep reaching for God Keep praying, amen Oh, come on somebody Jesus Oh, come on for about 10 seconds Oh, Jesus (laughs) Hallelujah We never give up at the end The end is a place place you never want to give up at. Some people do wonderful through through it all, only to fail miserably at the end. Some people get get in more trouble as a result of success than they do when they're facing adversity and multiple failures and challenges. We don't think of success as having any dangers. We are typically only cautious of failure and defeat. But rarely do we associate danger with success. Yet we all know and have seen people who make it to the top only to unravel. 1 Samuel 15 and 17, the prophet speaks to King Saul, a man who God said of him that when he was small in his own eyes, he had elevated. A man who at one point was so humble that when God called him to be king, the Bible says he hid amongst the stuff. He was a man that was meek and shy Amen. And now he has become arrogant and cocky as he's become king. And in 1 Samuel 15 and 17, the Lord reminds Saul that his ministry is now up and it's all because he is too big in his own eyes. We don't want to get to the top and then forget how we got there. You don't want to get to the top and then forget how you got there. There are people here... uh, Perhaps people that have been here from the beginning. And then there are new people coming in right now. And I want you to listen to this preacher good. No matter how much God blesses you, always remember where it came from. Oh, Oh, come on. There are people right now you are making, and, and you know what, just so you know, A lot of us came in this way. There are people right now, you are making your way into the church. Perhaps you're coming... Unemployed? Perhaps you're coming financially strapped and struggling and you're giving God a chance and you're putting God first and you're starting to give your tithe and you're starting to give your offering and you're starting to show up regularly and you're going to see any day now, God is going to bless you. God is going to open up. But let me tell you, hold on. Let me tell you, as a pastor, there are people that I worry about more when they get a job than before they have a job because I know I could smell it on them. Amen. They got that spirit of, I forgot where the job came from. They got that smell of, amen, I'm too good for God now. Hallelujah. But they forget the wreck they were before God blessed them. Hallelujah. You, if anything, you should be praying right now, God, I need a job. And don't you ever let me forget how I got that job. And God, I'm never going to let that job take the place of Sunday. And I'm never going to let that job take the place of Wednesday. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be praising you. And it, and if that job gets in the way, it's only because you're going to give me a better job. Hallelujah. But I'm never going to let the blessings. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And, and, and this is really not part of my notes, but this is, this is good preaching right here. Uh, <laughs> you need to remember the things you used to pray when you were single. It got quiet now. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, I was I was single for a long time, and uh, I remember a lot of prayer meetings I had. Uh, God, give me a wife. God, give me a wife. God, give me a wife, and uh, (coughs) just begging God for a wife and crying my eyes out. And um, that's all right. Nothing wrong. You better be praying for a spouse. Hallelujah. The Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. Hallelujah. And, um, but I remember praying. And, and you know, it's, it's really easy when, when, when you're now in that marriage. And it's really easy to, to, to lose appreciation for the person God provided. For the person that God put in your life. And this can go for men or women. You know, a lot of ladies forget. You know, they, 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 they want to get on their husband. And I'm not just preaching on behalf of men here, but I kind of I, I am, hallelujah. Uh, you know, you, you can complain that he leaves his shoes everywhere all the time. Or you can be thankful there's a man there leaving shoes in the first place. <laughs> and there's a whole lot worse things he could be doing. I didn't think I'd get a big amen on that, hallelujah. And... Uh, well, let me help the ladies out. You can complain about the burnt toast, hallelujah, but at least you got somebody to burn your toast. <laughs> help me preach, hallelujah. And, and I don't mind preaching to you like this because I, I can tell you as the child of divorced parents, amen, I saw... I saw my mother help support my dad through college. I saw my mother work hard. I saw my mother cry. I saw my mother skip meals to feed me and my sister and my father. Amen. And I remember when he graduated from college and he decided to walk out on my mother. He got his degree. He got his profession. And he left and never came back. He did not just divorce us. He did not just divorce my mother. He divorced us as well. Somewhere in the process of it all, he forgot, amen, what God had given him. He forgot what helped him make it. He didn't make it on intelligence. He made it on a group of people that were helping him. I'm preaching to somebody right now. He forgot. He didn't make it on his own grit and on his own tenacity and on his own intelligence. He made it because there was a woman by his side trying to help him out. He made it because somebody stayed home to take care of the kids while he got the degree. We can't, come on, we cannot be obnoxious and pompous. Amen. I'm telling you that's what's hurting this world right now. You got people that make it and all of a sudden they forgot everybody that helped them make it we can't be like that in the kingdom of God we've got to realize how we got to stay small in our own eyes we got to look in the mirror and remind ourselves if it wasn't for God you'd be nothing if it wasn't for that spouse you'd be nothing if it wasn't for your church you'd be nothing if it wasn't for oh come on new life come on this is part of that new life experience that we remember the goodness of God.
2: Oh, hallelujah.
1: And you know what? This is probably a good place to get into my very last point, and that is what we never give up. There are some things we never give up. Number one, we never give up our spouses. When things change, we don't change partners. Well, I'll say that again. When things change, we don't change partners. I said, when things change, we don't change partners. Yeah, I know she gained a few pounds, but it's because she had your kids. Come on, I know he's got less hair now, but... We don't change partners when things change. If if I, get a, if I get a job, if I get a pay raise, I don't dump my wife. Amen. If I get promoted, I don't dump my husband. Amen. We, we, we just don't operate like that around here. The marriage is greater. Amen. Hallelujah. Than the job. The marriage is greater than the degree. The marriage is greater. Come on. Come on, somebody. Come on. Oh, come on. Let's shake it off. I'm telling you, the world's out there getting divorced left and right, changing partners like there's no tomorrow. We can't let that spirit get a hold of us. We got to be faithful, faithful to God, faithful to our spouse, faithful to our... Come on, you know what, I'm going I'm to I'm hit the pause button right here. I really feel like, like somebody needs to get with me right now. I really feel like I need some help preaching this right now. Hallelujah. We can't let the world's mentality affect us. Hallelujah. We can't let the world's ways get into our minds. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Can we just pray here for a second? Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Somebody help me pray right now. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost wants to talk to somebody. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, Jesus. Oh Jesus Oh Jesus You know the Apostle Paul in his, in his letters to the church he says that there are, he addresses two offices in the church the office of the bishop and the deacon but I just I'm one of those people that I believe that if it's good for the goose it's good for the gander and uh, if, it's, if it's good for the bishops and the deacons it's good for the usher it's good for the preacher. It's good for everybody. Uh, because that is the ideal. But the, the Apostle Paul says that the bishop and the deacon should be the husband of one wife. Now, there are several ways of interpreting that. But in Greek, it literally reads this way. A one woman man. A one woman. And now there are several ways of interpreting that. But, but let me say this. I, I do not feel that I am, I am violating the text by saying that when the Apostle Paul said, I want one woman men, uh, one, a one man woman, amen, a man with one woman, it, yeah, that he was saying, amen, that a man cannot live his whole life desiring every woman that walks by him. In fact, later on, the Apostle Paul will talk about men whose eyes are full of adultery. And I don't doubt for one second that the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, at some point, gentlemen, and and I know he feels this way because this is the attitude of the Bible. When you read Proverbs chapter 5, Solomon begins to tell the young man, he says, ravish yourself in in, in your wife, the wife God gave you when you were young when you hardly knew how to br- how to shave your face and put deodorant on love that woman keep loving her hallelujah don't change partners when things change up and you can't just be looking at everything that walks by at some point you got to realize my treasure's right here and i got to I don't got to go digging up other wells. I got a well right here. This is the woman God gave me when I was young. This is the woman God gave me when I didn't know my right hand from my left hand. This is the woman that God gave me. Amen. To help me to help me do my taxes, raise my children, have a clean home. I don't need to be looking at anybody else. Amen. God gave me what I need. I can stay right here. Oh Jesus. Oh, come on, I'm preaching really good right now. I know, I know somebody don't want to hear that, but you're going to hear that right now. Hallelujah! You're, I hope you come back tonight because you're going to hear some more. Hallelujah! Come on, somebody, help me preach. You want to know something? Here's the truth. Here, here's the gospel truth. Uh, I, well, you know, let me say this. I was reading a book and I'm going to get to some other things in a minute, but. I was reading a book the other day, a really good book. It's called Grit. Uh, And it talks about the differences between people who give up and people who hang in there for the long run. And I, I genuinely think that everybody wants to have grit. Everybody wants to be somebody who can go all the way, who can fight till the end, who never gives up. But she said, one thing that helps grit, she said, Regardless of what people think, you can actually cultivate grit. You, you, you know, there are some things that are great assets, but they're not necessarily requirements. It's a great asset to be very intelligent, but it's not a requirement to make it through life. And that's why you have people that are not that smart, but they're gritty. Gritty. And they have way more success than even geniuses. Because you could be a genius and have no grit. You could be real smart, real talented, really gifted, and then come up against the challenge and quit. Oh, I promise you, I mean, I'm not calling nobody out here. I'm not trying to act like a prophet. But I promise you, there's, there's probably people here that could sing just as good as, up, as anybody up here singing, but they can't show up to a practice. And it's not because they're bad, it's because somebody took their parking spot. They have no grit. They got a voice, but no grit. I'm trying. But she said, if you want grit, if you want to be grittier, she said, one of the things you got to do is just settle on stuff. And what she meant by that is you need... In fact, she even talked about, she even talked about church people. She said one of the reasons people of faith tend to be so gritty and they could stay in church, she said, is because they have committed themselves to a community. You see, because the world don't have communities. You know, when you tell somebody in the world about a community, they're thinking about the neighborhood where they live. But that's really not a community. This is a community. But... But to get back to the point where people were getting quiet on me. You will make it through life if you just, at some point, you got to determine, this is the woman God gave me. This is the husband God gave me. I don't need to be looking around. I don't need to be wondering what it would have been like had I married Richard instead. I don't need to go on Facebook and start scrolling. Looking for my ex boyfriend and my ex-girlfriend I'm telling you that is taken away from your ability to be gritty and to make it through life it's weakening your morale and it's weakening your morals you gotta you gotta be satisfied you gotta be content you gotta oh come on oh come on Oh, hallelujah. 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 Somebody say amen. Amen. We never give up our children. If you've got to give up your kids to get to where you're going, you ain't getting ahead. You know, I understand sometimes things don't work, and I, I understand people come to church in all kinds of different circumstances. Uh, But you know what? Don't you ever give up your kids. Amen. I I am preaching to myself right now, and I don't mind doing this, but I have to travel. You know what? I just made it up in my mind that while I'm traveling and I'm away from my kids, I am going to constantly just think about going back home. And I know that sometimes, gentlemen, we have to travel to supply the needs of our family. But you know what? Every day we're on the road, we ought to be thinking about getting back. And every day we're on the road, we ought to be contemplating ways to stay home more. And we ought to love our children. We can't give up our kids to get ahead. I know we got to pay for a house. And I know we got to pay for bills. And I know we got to pay for the car. But you know what? I don't want to pay with my kids. Hallelujah. I don't want to pay with my kids. Come on. Your dad did that to you. You can't do that to your son your mama did that to you you can't do that to your daughter come on somebody we can't give up and i'm closing we don't give up god we don't give up god when you have nothing else you always got god and when you had nothing, you had God. Amen. And we never give up God. No matter how bad, you know, and, and I've, I've, I can remember a very distinct trial in my life. It was years ago now. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not totally embarrassed about this. But I remember fighting in my mind. I was not raised in church and I was not even raised believing in God, but I remember in this trial, it just got so bad. And it involved everything from health to, to, to finances. Just My whole world started crumbling. And I remember in the middle of it all, the devil just got his hoof in my head. And telling me, well, what if this ain't real? You just making that up. Come on, why are you lifting your hands? You don't even feel nothing. And just kept working on me and working on me and working on me. And I had to start going back through my mind constantly. And remembering all the miraculous things God had done. And I didn't have to sit there and philosophically debate hell. And go read a thousand books on the existence of God. And I'm not against that. But I'm telling you, when it was all said and done, I could go back to the place where I got the Holy Ghost. I could go back to the place where I spoke in tongues. I could go back to the place where I didn't just read the verse, I experienced the verse. I didn't have to debate with the devil about evolution versus creation. I had experienced Acts chapter 2. And that told me that the rest of the book was true and everything before it was true too. Come on, that's why we make such a big deal out here about you coming up to the front and praying, whether you feel something or not, because I'm telling you amen, God is not a respecter of persons, what he's done for me he'll do for you, amen the, the, this, this, this sanctuary is a miracle, amen, there's people all over this sanctuary that are walking, living, breathing miracles hallelujah, there are people in this sanctuary that have been healed there are people in this sanctuary that have been miraculously delivered, and I'm telling you what God did for them, he'll do for you, hallelujah, no matter where you're at right now. Don't give up God. Hallelujah. Don't give up trying. Don't give up... Oh, come on. Let's magnify Jesus here right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, I... I'm going to... Can we all stand? I'm sorry. I'm done. I don't know that I've ever told this story here. I don't know that I've ever told this story in public. I don't know that I feel comfortable telling this story. But I'm going to tell it. I remember I I was a heathen. I mean, I I was messed up. I remember one night I went out with my friends. I did not believe in God. I had never been talked to about God. I had never been told anything about the Lord. I didn't read a Bible. I had never, I don't think I'd ever stepped a foot inside of a church outside of the day I was baptized as a baby when I was a Catholic. And you know, if you're Mexican, you just have to be Catholic at some point in your life. (laughs) but I remember this day sitting in the car and I don't know why or what he was thinking but my friend I was sitting in the back of the car and I had my head against the window and I could I'll never forget it like it was I, clear as day I heard a voice in my head tell me move and I thought it was so strange And I thought, man, that was weird. But I listened to the voice, and I moved my head. And when I moved my head, a bullet shot right through the window where my head was. I still would not serve God for another 10 years. But I remember when I came to the Lord... God reminded me that was me back then. You know why I'm saying that, Antoine? Because there's people in this sanctuary right now that they know they should be dead. There's kids in this sanctuary right now you know you should be dead. There are grown men in this sanctuary. You know you should be dead. The doctor told you you should have died. The the paramedics told you you should have died. The emergency crew that pulled you out the car told you you should have died. And you came out talking about, man, I was lucky. It was God. And God saved you for this day right here. You know what? Hold on. Let me let me rephrase that. God spared you so he could save you. God spared you so he could save you. you know what, I gotta, I'm got i sorry, I'm not trying to drag this out, but God, I'm telling you God's talking to somebody right now. Good friend of mine told me, he said when I was little, Brother Prado, he said, I remember one day, he said, I, was, I wanted to go play basketball. My mom said, you cannot go. And he said, Mama, I want to go play basketball. She said, you're not leaving this house today. She said, you, he said, it was really weird. He said, my mama had never made me stay home all day. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go play basketball. He said, I had never disobeyed my mom. He said, I knew better. He said, but that day, he said, I just defied my mother. He said, something just welled up inside of me. I said, I'm not. He said, mama, I'm going to go play basketball. He said, I when I played basketball, he said, that day, he said, I cannot explain to you why. He said, I've never played so much basketball in all my life. He said, I played from the morning till the sun went down. He said, and when I got home, there was ambulances in front of my house. He said, my mom had shot herself. And she, she left a suicide note and she intended to shoot me too. He said, I didn't know anything about the Lord back then. He said, but when I got saved, God reminded me. I spared you back then. I know, I know this stuff sounds gritty. I know this stuff does not sound pretty. But I'm telling you, there's somebody in this sanctuary that you need to wake up. because God might have spared you once but he might not spare you twice and I'm okay with telling you that I don't want to pull punches with you God spared you once but he might not spare you twice and I think today would be an excellent day for you to acknowledge the fact that I'm here today because God kept me And I'm not here today because of my own powers, but I'm here because of another power. And today, I'm going to turn myself in to the Lord. I feel like someone's going to get saved today. God spared your life, but he wants to save your soul. All across this sanctuary, let's lift our hands right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you feel like the Holy Ghost has been talking to you this morning, I want you to come out of your seat and I want you to start making your way to the front. Whether you understand everything that's going on in here or not, come out from your chair right now make your way to the front. Hallelujah. If you see, if you see somebody, somebody coming up that you know doesn't have the Holy Ghost, come up behind them. Less Tell them to lift their hands. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Begin to pray. God's going to fill
2: them with his spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Show me on, your glory and show me your power.
1: Oh, come on. Hallelujah.
2: Less hallelujah. of me and more of you is what I need. So many times I've tried my way, but all of the pain didn't go away. I realized that only you can give me this love that is so true. So many times I've tried my way, but all of the I
3: realize
2: that only you can give me this love that is so true.
3: I need your glory. I need your glory.